Why can't you just leave my daddy alone? Oh, Cassie. This must all seem like a bunch of confusing grown-up stuff to you, huh? Well, think of it this way. Your school has rules, right? Like, you can't draw on the walls. Well, your daddy went to Germany and drew on the walls with Captain America. And that was a violation of Article 16, Paragraph 3 of the Sokovia Accords. Now, as a part of his joint plea deal with Homeland Security and the German government, he was allowed to return to the U.S., provided he served two years under house arrest, followed by three years of probation, and avoid any unauthorized activities, technology, or contact with any former associates who were or currently are in violation of said accords or any related statutes. Okay, sweetie? Expect me to talk? Hello, and welcome to episode 142 of Do you Expect Us to Talk? I am Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow co hosts and quantum scientists, Chris Byrne and Dave Bond. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Is that quantum as in Ant Man or Bond? I'm confused. It's like, what's Bond got to do with uh, this this series? Well, she, she is. Well, she's reported she in the week of. Uh, well, we that's been the big news of the week, isn't it? Because <laughs> Eon decided to wait till the biggest film of the decades released and then sneak out an amateurist presentation on a film with no title and steal its thunder. Completely steal. <laughs> yeah, well, Avengers has now dropped like a stone and only taken forty-seven dollars this weekend. Thanks to the juggernaut that is fucking Good Morning America. Um, the juggernaut that is Bond 25. Yes. Oh That's not what we're here to discuss, but did either of you see it? Not really. I mean, I know the... I mean, I've, I've, I've read the basic details, like who's in it and whatnot, but... Right. Did you see the presentation, Becca? I did. It left a lot to be desired. Um, I, I love the glamorous location. Goldeneye, Jamaica. Why not? But yeah, it wasn't very professional, shall we say? It was terrible. They got this this presenter on, who they didn't even who either she didn't bother prepping, or the whole show didn't bother prepping her. So they started off with her talking to Barbara, Michael, and I think I can't remember if Carrie was there to start with. I think he was Carrie, uh, the director. Um, and they're not great interviews. I mean, I like I love Barbara Broccoli, but she's never been a particularly interesting interview, full stop. But she was, you know. Um, but then you had him saying, they said within about two minutes they didn't have a title, which immediately killed my interest. And then he said, well, that's standard. We're, when we start these things and do our big announcements, we never have a title. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, yes, you are, are you losing your mind? You've you've had one for the last each of the last like four films, at least. And you nearly always have one. You nearly always have your title ready. You'd, I mean, from Goldeneye forward, you did for at least two of the Brosnan entries, and you have for all of the Craig ones. Um, I, I was, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then they cut to like a presentation. Then they announced some of the cast, most of whom weren't there. And then they cut inside to, I think it was, um, the new Bond girl, the name Anna De. What's she called again? I have to look her up, Anna, or something. Yeah, she was in Blade Runner 2049 anyway, and I've just suddenly on her name. Uh, the lady from Captain Marvel, Naomi was there, uh, Leia Seydoux was there, um, Carrie was there, Daniel Craig was there. 
and they took about they talked to Daniel about fifth you know what I mean she, he is James Bond and they spoke to everyone else first and the questions were terrible they went um, yeah, they took their time getting to him didn't they and then they said to him right we're thinking right this is a guy who a lot of the audience aren't sure whether he wants to be back I've never bought into all that but you know and it cuts to him and that something's gone wrong in the scheduling because he looks fit and ready but his eyes looked red the actual whites of his eyes had gone red so there's some jet lag or something going on there and the, their question was what's your favourite car which is just like brilliant that's what I want to know after five years away and all the production problems what's your favourite car and he said oh it's got to be the DB5 and she didn't know what that was you know like the most famous car in the world at one time and like very high up a crib list that you would give to people and she did not know what the DB5 was and then it was like, what's your favourite gadget? Uh, and it's like... And she, was like she was asking the girls, like, what's it... Oh, girls, sorry, women, Bond girls. But what's it like to be in a Ladies. Bond film? And it's like, yeah, but they're Bond girls, aren't they? <laughs> but I don't mean girls outside. No, we know what you mean. It's um, fine. They sound like the most laziest questions in the world. It was, yeah. it was... I described it as being what it's like. It's probably what Lorraine Kelly's demo reel from the 1980s would have looked like. Do you know what I mean? Someone before they're seasoned and professional, but it's got that real light, frothy, this morning tone, but nowhere near as professional. Completely inoffensive. But nowhere near as professional. They didn't have a title. And the, really, the, I mean, apart from two of the two of the women who were like surprises, the only big name that like would have resonated with the general public was Rami Malik, and he wasn't there because of Mr. Robot. Um, he did do a little video, to be fair. And he looked more animated and interested than anyone else. Yeah, I, I think out of all the the whole thing, I think I enjoyed his video more yeah. rather than the whole reveal. And the but, thing is, you know, for example, yeah, they then had a day of like press and promo, so they would then break off into little groups and little teams and sit in different places. So you've got Craig with Fukunaga, but they're sort of sat outside, and then you'll see another one, and he sat with Leia and Carey, and they sat inside somewhere, and there would just be like little mixes and matches, and some of those little interviews are better. There's a small one on the BBC where Craig talks about it being his last, and I'm thinking anyone who says he doesn't look engaged should have watched that little video because he looks fine there. But yeah, the actual right. present, it went out to the world on the 007 channel. I was watching it, and at its peak, it had 12,000 people watching it. Absolutely embarrassing. Is that all? 12,000. <laughs> yeah, absolute shit. And and I just you know if you I suppose think, then you, you got you got kind of streaming repeat I mean you got it on like Sky oh, and Sky million, channel, millions for example, or and, bits. yeah millions or exactly bits. so but it was just there's just yeah, on no that channel, no, it wasn't very many and they embarrassed themselves the the day the one of the biggest films of all time adjusted they could have obviously. timed it better I suppose rather than on the release of Marvel which they're is just like a, they're just they're just amateurs now of the year, if not the decade and when I so. when I look at Michael and saying well we didn't have the top we didn't have the title loads of times so I'm thinking. <laughs> Yes, Michael. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm just thinking it's something. Time to retire. But he's he's just aged about 15 years since I last saw him. He suddenly no, got like on. a. I just yeah, I'm really I'm really quite worried about it. Um, I I've never seen anything that amateurish, and people will argue, well, it's the film that's important. Well, that's true, but we're waiting an incredibly long time, and they can't even do some of the sort of press and PR basics now. That was shit. I was so embarrassed. You know, it's like. <laughs> The thing is, I, I do think the Bond the Bond people think they're above going to like San Diego Comic Con or something, 
And I'm thinking you'd be much better served and just naturally sat in all H. It would immediately be a more present, a professional presentation. Yeah, I wonder if we are Do going to see the trailer and, and title reveal. I, I, I don't know, but it's speculation at this point. Well, the title will come with the teaser now, won't it? Yeah, that's the way it goes, obviously following in the footsteps of Avengers and Star Wars. Do you, do you think, I mean, I, I don't think so it's like they, they think they're above them necessarily. I just don't think they have the foresight to think of that. Or they, or they don't, don't see Bond fitting in for whatever reason. They haven't had this. I don't think it's right for Bond to be in with like the, the Comic-Con kind of crowd. It's not his scene. Um, but the problem is that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy there because I've heard yeah. people go well that's not his demographic and I think well yeah well that that's the reason the demographic's going to fucking die it'll always be fairly big in this country and I think that misleads people because our press is always full of who's going to be the next James Bond and the same four or five really tired names and there's always a lot of hype around it here but the rest of the world and every other demographic it has to be earned and they're doing nothing to earn it, and I, I couldn't believe it. I, I like I timed my break to watch it, and within two minutes, my jaw had hit the floor. I just thought, I can't believe how amateur this is looking. I can't believe they've hyped this up for no title. They they haven't got many of the key cast there, um, and they've they've hired someone to present it who's got seemingly no interest. But you don't necessarily need to be a Bond fan to present that. It's a job, but like at least do the fucking work. You know what I mean? Re- yeah, do a bit know, of research. Learn the order of films and some of the key gadgets and cars. I mean, she'd not heard of the DB5. And yet she had written down to ask, what's your favourite yeah. car? It's like, well, if you, don't know what's, if you don't know what some of the potential answers are, what are you going to say when you get an answer? Fucking joke. Oh, what's that? <laughs> what's that? What's that? She's probably expecting some obscure kind of car and then thinking, like, oh, I'm not going to know it. The only two people who came off it came out of it, like, well, really. Uh, Rami's video was all right. Uh, I mean, live during the event. Later, Rory Kinnear did a really funny little video. Um, yeah, he's actually quite funny, isn't he? But on the day, the only one who looked, like, engaged and alert and really, like, professional was Naomi. Naomi looked like it was her first time and she was excited about it. Everyone else... She's very glamorous. I thought she was, always brings a bit of glamour to whatever she does. Yeah, she's not ageing at all. Um, no, she looks the same. She looks exactly the same she's she did Sky Force like, seven years ago. Yeah, Dor- um, <laughs> she, she's like the female Dorian Grey. I know, so, yeah. I no, just, she's effortless beauty. But you know, yeah, we've been asked, I mean, this is not this is not a Bond show, and we're going to change the subject in a minute, but we're happy to give a few minutes over to it because a lot of people have been sort of asking our opinions on it. And, you know, there's only so many times you can say in sort of tweet length, what a fucking joke. Um, And it's worried me now. Yes, the end film matters, but if they think that is slick and professional and they're starting... They haven't got a title. That's the thing. With Star Wars, I believe they just don't want to tell us and they know when they want to reveal it. Yeah, they've got it all planned. I don't think Eon have a title at the moment no. and that tells you where they are and it's really worrying well principal photography just started today in earnest it started so. today yeah we're recording this on Sunday the 28th and that it did start today it started on a Sunday over hmm. in Jamaica so yeah we'll, yeah we'll they, they, they posted the um, image of the clapper board yeah they so they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll be filming the scenes where um, where uh, Leia Sadu gets uh, brutally murdered and Bond has to, <laughs> has to get get all personal <laughs> Unfortunately, you're probably right. 
Uh, well, the way the synopsis reads, I, I don't think she's necessarily no, no. going to die at the start. Uh, well, they've already done the shots between like the little girl in the multicolored coat and it, the mysterious looking. You, you know what I think they'll do. We don't know, do you know what that what? is. Do you know what I think I'll do? Because you know, remember where back when like Danny Boyle was going to do it and they were talking oh, yeah. about like, oh, he was going to be like uh, Bond in the era of the Me Too and everyone's kind of yeah. speculating, oh, what the fuck was that going to be? I know I think I think I think that's what he was referring to. He's probably still going to be in this film. I think what it is, is um, he's a related at the beginning. Um, he goes off to does a mission in favour for Felix uh, of interacts with some women, turns them down because, you know, he's spoken for, and at the end he comes back. And so it's going to be like... So that I think that's probably what they're thinking. They're probably thinking, uh, this Bond is in a committed relationship. So you that's don't think there's going to be a final scene where he has to admit, admit that he, like, fingered someone else? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he's trying to apologise, but it's not ringing true because he keeps smelling them. <laughs> that's, that's a new title. It's going to be like... <laughs> what the smell of minge? <laughs> Put, oh, we have fi- a dirty title. Fi- finger pussy. There you are. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're we're as confident as ever. Then <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just I, I I every time I hear our oh, Craig look bored and all the rest of it, I, I think well no, I've seen a lot of context and I've seen a lot of the day. I've seen the context around the whole slash wrists com- comment. I've seen. As always. Everyone picks on one or two interviews when there are dozens, if not hundreds, that actually tell the complete opposite story. But at the same time, this this already feels tired. This this already feels tired. I just watching that presentation, I was thinking, just this needs new everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we'll see. I suspect the little girl on the lake is that's the kidnap of the pre, uh, the scientist, isn't it? Possibly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the, the that's what I think. Place place. Place. But we'll see. Um, yeah, the um, the uh, the synopsis makes it sound a bit more of a sort of caper than the last three few. At least they didn't put the word personal in there anywhere. But um, and Felix Bong, is back. Bongo goes rogue. Yeah, Bongo goes rogue. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they did make the point. He's not he's not retired. He's on indefinite leave. So I in other words, things like he's retired, or he's on leave, or he's happily married, no, Bar- or he's, he's away from the service. No, he's, he's, like, oh, no, he he's away from the service. Yeah, but he's he's on open-ended leave. I.e., yeah. going to and when he was in Jamaica, he didn't want he didn't really want to go back. So he's not retired per se, I don't think. But I suppose that's nitpicking. Still going to take a few minutes to get him back in, isn't it? It's still wasted time just because they drove off at the end of the last one. But there you go. So uh, I hope I all, we'll all but wait, couldn't we? I hope all the big Marvel fans tuning in to listen to this enjoyed that. <laughs> Brief segue. After they squeezed all the time to watch it, after uh, trying to go to see uh, Avengers Endgame, uh, because it's mm. it's been ridiculous how busy that's been. Absolutely. Fr- Every like, uh, we're, we're talking about Marvel, brilliant result. Um, <laughs> I walked past the cinema and it, there was a big poster up saying, yeah. like, well, basically, all but one showing was fully booked mm. and was sold out. And I was like, ah, oh. so I thought, okay, this is, you know, I thought, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't. Sadly, I didn't see it on open. I'm gonna go see it tomorrow. But I thought, oh, let's get in there quick before it all gets sold out. And I was like, oh. Well, for so, for I ended up seeing it three days in a row because I saw I had tickets for the Friday or a ticket for the Friday. And 
that was because I was due to review it for a website. Um, Editor, set the tape dot com. Read day's review. Fine. It's it's an okay review. It's pretty spoiler free. There's minor spoilers for the first sort of act, but not too much. And then I had a friend who who's disabled and doesn't go to the cinema very often, and he was going to go to see this, so I agreed to go with that group. So that was Saturday. Oh, that's nice. And then I was sat there on Thursday, and I couldn't wait. I just couldn't wait. I just thought, oh, I'll go and do it now. And so I ended up like booking something and going straight from work. So I have seen it three days in a row. But I'm oh. done now. But we are recording it. You won't hear it until the week of the 19th of... Yeah, so you're not going to hear it for two weeks after this is released. Because a little dust got... settle. But um, we'll actually have recorded it before then. We'll record... We're recording on Wednesday, so we're, we're going to be fairly fresh for that. Um, but it does make tonight's film a little bit of an, an odd one, just because, um, obviously, Infinity War, our Infinity War shows, shows just come out, and you just feel like that flows naturally into Endgame as a review, and obviously, we've got a couple of shows in between, and, and this, this particularly is, is very different, so tell us about tonight's, Becca. Tonight, we will be reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp, starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Hannah John Common. Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Lawrence Fishburne, Orton Goggins, Athena, Bobby Cannavale, Judy Greer, and others, with a original score by Christoph Beck, script written by Eric Summers, Chris McCannipal, Rudd, and Jabbar Gabriel Ferrari, directed by Peter Reed, not a right, and released in 2018. Take it away, Chris. Tonight's film, what do you think? Oh, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, it's a bit hard to, to review this one, because I think, on one level, I think it... it, it it does. It's very small stakes, very small scale. If you pardon the pun, because you know, I'm on. Um, but it does it really well. I think uh, Paul Rudd is probably his best role. I don't think I've actually seen him better in anything else. Really, I think he he, he handles like the the superhero and the comedic and the and the comedy elements really, really well. And I, I think he's really, especially when he's like in scenes where he's with his family. Um, particularly his daughter, he, it, it, he, he, he does nail it. I think everyone in the cast does a really good job. The only thing is, it, and it's not a knock, a knock on the film because it is small skates, stakes, and I think that's good. But at the same time, I don't feel any any tension. Uh, I think that if if there's a one major critique of the film is is the fact that it just lacks that intensity because you don't necessarily have to have like high stakes to have that you, you know sometimes it's actually better to have smaller stakes to have civil, war is, civil war is smaller stakes than Inf- infinity war yeah, we yeah. had this conversation last week but i felt those stakes more yeah, yeah. and it's just it, it because of the lightness of tone i think partly it just feels very like sequential i just don't feel very like it just feels very whatever but that being said it's it's not particularly boring. It's it's definitely enjoyable. It, it has some really sort of nice moments and um, some good gags in it. Uh, so yeah, that, so that's first thoughts really for Ant Man and Wasp. It can, you know, entertaining but underwhelming. But kind of. But you kind of ex- you, you're not looking to be overly whelmed. No. <laughs> but 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 you kind you of you kind of feel like overly whelmed. Or just whelmed. 
just whelmed. Generally whelmed. Yeah, you kind of feel like because of the, the the quality of the ideas on on the screen and the and the quality of the of the actors, you you kind of feel like it, it just missed that something else to make it work even more. But you know, but there you go. It, it, you know, it's it when it's on screen, it, it it works absolutely fine. I was never bored once, so um, def- definitely in the positive. Becca. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. That's pretty much how I felt. Um, I think the, not that this film was anyway, like not awful, you know, it's not awful. Um, but I think that the car chase was probably its saving grace, definitely. But as I say, that's, I think considering the films that, that are around it, you have pretty high stakes. The naughty Endgame stakes couldn't be higher. Um, so I think considering um, Scott Lang is, I'm gonna try not to call him Paul Lang. Um, he's basically like an everyman kind of style character. Um, he's kind of like one of the, you know most human, perhaps of, of them all, um, along with uh, Tony Stark as well. But there's you know so you, because of like the, the heavy tone of, of the previous films that, that surround it, um, this feels good. You know in terms of where it's placed within the series, you do kind of need that palette cleanser, I guess the kind of you know the kind of light, lightness of touch to kind of help help it along really. Otherwise it does get quite dour, quite serious, quite quite heavy. Um, but I enjoyed this film. I thought it dragged a little bit. Um, but it's good action scenes. It's good to see Walton Goggins plays like a really quite slimy, weaselly villain. Um, again, not wearing socks with his trousers, so that's always a good. So- that's always a sure that, sign. That's how you know he's sleazy. <laughs> that's how you know he's a bit dodge. But um, no, he's he's always good value. Um, happily watch whatever you know, whatever film he pops up in. Um, and cast are all in good top, you know, top form. Um, I'd like to see the ghost explored a little bit more. Um, I was doing some research in the comics apparently was a male character, so it's nice to see it switched over to female characters. That's quite interesting. Um, and again, one of the main themes of this film, obviously in through the running through the thread, is family. So it's good to see the kind of dynamic between Lang and, and his daughter and the relationship, obviously, between um, Bill and Ava and kind of what what, to, what happened to Ava's family and her father, for example. So it's quite... And obviously you've got um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas as well in terms of their family dynamics so it's always good to kind of see those in juxtaposition with each other and see how the film explores that um, but yeah overall I would say it's yeah I would say largely inconsequential but good fun lots of laughs very enjoyable um, I think it's got a really great score actually um, yeah, good, yeah good soundtrack. I that. Um, and again it's one of those films that really uses its location um, location as a character as well um, been to San Francisco a couple of times love it really vibrant scenes Got some fun facts coming up at the end of the show. I was like, I can't do more about ants, so I'll pick some San Francisco fun facts. Um, but again, yeah, it uses its, you know, it's a character in its own right. You kind of feel like you're going on a little travelogue of, of, you know, of, of the area, which is quite nice to see. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's inconsequential, but you know, very enjoyable. I, I will add this though to what I've said. I think it, the, the, one of the the crimes of this film though is it kind of just wastes Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean she's you know, she's promised it. and she's barely in it. And Michelle Pfeiffer's I think like one of them generally movie stars. I think well, she you know, was introduced she just is. before they go into the action sequence of the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just you know she doesn't get to do a lot, and I just feel like you do feel like oh that was a bit too hyped up, and you know when I'd you be, do see her, she's stuck behind like a, a computer or a console, or and it's just like. You know, I, I agree with you. Yeah. She is a bona fide movie star as well. I mean, people of, of her generation, they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, you you have to watch like Grease too. I mean, I know Grease two isn't an exactly high quality <laughs> film, but you, you look She's at really Grease two. Well, exactly. I mean, like 
out anyone in in that film, she just stands out. You think she is a genuine movie Wasn't star. One of her like a breakout role. She, she just stands out. Yeah. Early she, in the day. Yeah. So. So. Um, well, a couple of years before Scarface. Yeah, so, so yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. So. And yeah, she, it, it, I, yeah, I would agree. Actually, that yeah, kind of my my one critique that I was saving to the end. But yeah, you don't spend enough time with her. Um, but and the camera loves Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, I know it's a de-age sequence, but there's a sequence early in the film with their young daughter. Mm. You just go, she's just lovely there. She's just great. Yeah. So I, I would agree with that. I did get one slight thing wrong there. I think it's obviously after that sequence they get out of that. Um, you see her, obviously. Sorry, not before, because the whole point of that sequence is to get the lab back. Yeah, to put it back. So, but it's around there. So obviously, no, I'm in total but, agreement with Chris on but that. But you have that. You have the beginning bit, then like nothing, nothing, nothing till like the end, and then the film finishes you know so i don't think it's killing a lot of time but it is slight i mean it, yeah it's not actually that much to it we you know we're introduced i mean as for me it it's it's a bit of a wash with the first film but just for different reasons its strengths are in different places or, or not necessarily its strengths even it's just it's just slightly different in structure i mean the first film had the marvel registered trademark shit villain Really, sort of, you know, Corey St- Corey Star was it? Mm. Uh, Kojak, according to Becker. <laughs> <laughs> he did look a bit like. But but he he was a threat though. He had a menace. He you did. Know, it was he did, but it was just. I think there's a bit of meta knowledge that Corey Stoll doesn't mm. always get the best stuff to do. I mean, he's a he's a little bit. We we talked about it at the time. He's a little bit like um, Jay Courtney that way in that and they even look a bit similar facially but i mean he was in house of cards which pre the whole uh, kevin spacey business was a prestige show he was very good in it and as i look you know through i mean he was in first man last year which which is obviously a prestige film so it's not quite as bad but there were, you know he would be on that list of like yeah he, uh, you know you see his name and you go i bet he's playing quite a half-assed villain so i wasn't the whole point of the first film was to, to introduce the character, to introduce Hank Pym, to introduce some of the concepts, uh, you know, to start the you know beginnings of that love story between uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and all the rest of it. So that's what that film was about, and then they sort of hung it on this heist plot at the end, which was nowhere near as fun as I was hoping it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll say a little bit a little bit more on it in a future show without giving anything away but um i have more to say on some of the structuring of that film relative to other things marvel have done but they it was okay it was fine but you know the standout things when you look back on it is just paul rudd's general likability his relationship with his daughter michael peña's character and those are the bits that you remember and if you saw it on the big screen i can almost guarantee um michael douglas stood out to you but maybe more than because he's just a film star it's that indefinable quality that i walked out of the theatrical release of ant-man going fuck me wasn't he great in it and when i watch it at home he's still very good he's still perfectly fine but i can't see what it was i was getting so excited about on the big screen what, was it that opening bit where you saw like all of a sudden you saw young michael douglas again i don't think it was although he was a massive star around that time mm. there's no doubt and I um, the de-aging in this film was actually quite good it, it, can, it can be like we've seen Again, it previously, and it can be a bit dodgy. Uh, I, there's one example I like, one example I don't, but we'll come, we'll come, we'll come on to that because, um, and it's not necessarily what I thought theatrically. Um, but yeah, no. 
they're always pretty good at it. They're always pretty good at it. And, it's always uh, a bit surprising though when you see it because you're also used to kind of seeing an actor a certain way. But like with with mm. uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I kind of thought, you know, well, who's a bit special like me? You sort of hold an image, you know, in your head, and then you think, oh, it actually, looks a bit different. Um, obviously, as people do age and change, whatever. But I think but Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer was at the peak doesn't... of her fame in the late eighties. Exactly, but she doesn't look much different now. I mean, like her hair might have changed colour slightly. Well, but like, same with Paul Rudd, for example, as well. I mean, he's just got, you know, really, really good genes. And he doesn't look that different, you know. He might be, like, yeah. 40, 50 or whatever, but it's like he doesn't look that different. So, you know, he's done aged really well. Obviously, you don't have the high structure here, but obviously the, the principal antagonist of the film is just more interesting. Whether they use her as well as they could, I'm not sure, but certainly Hannah John Cayman is just playing a much, much more interesting character than Aaron Cross ever was. Um, I think I, I'm normally so iffy and worried about large amounts of like a child in a film, a large amount of screen time. But I love that they put some more of that in this. I just uh, because the, the little actress is good and she has a great chemistry with Paul Rudd. So yeah, all she's that fantastic. Stuff, the little girl, she's could, great. They could only touch on it in the first film because obviously part of his drive in the first film was wanting to spend more time with her. So you couldn't have her spend much time with her, with her because the whole point was he was trying to. So in this one, he gets to, and their scenes together are lovely. Um, it's, again, for, for probably the outright most comedic film in or comedic corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it doesn't play like every sequence is a bit in the same way as, say, Thor Ragnarok did. It, it, it's actually got quite a nice natural humour to it. Uh, the the Louis scene in this is still really good, and it's got that music we heard of Jackie Brown. I was trying to find it earlier. I don't know if it comes from coffee or what, but yeah, do 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 do, you know that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, we saw it, Jackie Brown, but it comes from those black exploitation films in the seventies. I can't remember which one, but um, so that's all great. Uh, I, even they they take everything on like another level in that Jim Paxton's you know the Jim Paxton character Bob, Bobby Cannavale you know they're outright hugging by this film. Mm. Um, they made up. It's um, so all of that is really really good. The film's really slight. There's hardly anything to it. We get the plot all set up, and there's a few back and forths to get to a bit that ends up with her coming out of that zone, and we'll talk about it as we we go through it. Um, whether we need these palate cleansers after Avengers films, you could argue about because, you know, with the with the first sort of phase, we went straight on to phase two and, and um, Iron Man 3, so you don't necessarily need it, but I'm grateful for it and I enjoy them. Uh, in terms of its length, it's, it's a shade under two hours. Um, bear in mind, the Marvel credits are always long because of the amount of effects work and stuff, so the film's probably about an hour fifty, a little bit less than. I don't actually think there's a load of padding. I've, I've, as I've read a lot of social media in recent days, a lot of people have been... I won't do that, of, Dave. Well, no, but I mean, no, but, I mean pe- people who people I trust... No, I mean, I'm talking friends and people <clears throat> I trust and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, They've yeah. been doing big Marvel rewatches to get to Endgame, and everyone kind of likes these films. They don't rank them fantastically high. they point out correctly that a large part of the appeal is frankly in fact most of the appeal is Paul Rudd and I would agree um, but I read a couple of things with this film that said oh it's a mess and it's full of padding and I, I don't agree I just think it's really slight the one real bit of padding in this film is and I'm sorry to say it because you both well certainly Becker just praised him but it's Walton Goggins Walton Goggins is a character is a, an actor I've liked in almost everything he's ever been in couldn't fucking stand him in this film 
he got on my tits immediately and he just felt superfluous every time he turned up i was just like well we don't need him here they're already fighting the fucking ghost on this you know journey yeah i, I so, would probably agree he's, he's like a villain too far i mean not really a villain but he's kind of like well he's, he's you not know he's, he's probably one too much but he's but you know he's just kind of doesn't right. really he's no excess, but he's, he's good he's good to watch he's good value you know he doesn't phone in his performance here even though he might be the only th- the only threat is John Cayman. she is the yeah. only threat in this but at no point do you ever feel like they're going to be beaten i mean it's it, it's it's decent. I will rank it in the middle somewhere near the original Ant Man. Where, where I would say it's like you know when I talk about um, you know there's, there's not very high stakes. Well, I think the, what the problem is nothing, nothing feels like it is at stake. It just feels like a bunch of stuff that gets in the way. Yeah, and that seems like to be the attitude to, to like the, the film in is, general. Like they are trying the, to get the original Wasp Janet Van Dyne out of the quantum realm. That's the whole point of what they're trying to do here we've never met janet van dyne and hank pym is not the main character so we'd love to see her because it's michelle pfeiffer and she's always really good and we saw the de-aged version of her and scott scott cares about hope so he would want to get help her to have that and we don't want him to get in any trouble when he's only three days from the end of his sentence. Mm. But frankly, if all of that went sort of south, it would be a bit like, well, so what? You know, Ant-Man will turn up in a year or two in something else and, you know, his sentence... But Well, we don't want him to go away because obviously he's going to need to turn up and things, but... Well, the fact is we know Fanny's going to turn up for his man in the works. So. The, well, yeah, we'll talk a lot about that when we get to Endgame because there's a lot of things where I go, without giving anything away, I just go, does that mean X? And you, you will come out with a lot of questions if you haven't seen it. But um, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it just fine. I enjoy it kind of unreservedly. I'm not, I'm, if, if I'm, you know, it's not even a case question of being underwhelmed. I went in expecting something nice and low stakes and reasonably nice to look at and an engaging leading man and some good supporting players and a, a plot that, you know, made some sense roughly. Um and you know that's all i was expected from the film and i got that it falls somewhere in the middle because it doesn't do much wrong either it may not blow us away with anything but it hasn't got any other flaws of those films near the bottom where you're going i'm actively not enjoying this bit or that bit really doesn't make sense if they've got one thing they that they've really let go of since the first film is they've moved away from trying to explain things and it's really up to personal sort of currency with this stuff how you how you find that that the first film you shrink but your mole and but you're all still there your molecules are just that much closer together you're tightly packed that's why you're powerful on that logic if you became really big you'd be that much weaker surely um and yeah they're they're kind of some inconsistencies they kind of just let all that go in this film and just say go with it actually i sort of don't mind because they've got a history of marvel marvel of doing that the first the first iron man film tried to sort of half explain some of these things and by the third film he could he could fall thousands of feet with no ill effects so i'm okay with it but yeah any attempt at some kind of quasi pseudo science has yeah. gone now it, it can be explained it, away in the in the yeah. uh, scheme of things it's the uh the fancy element that i think gives them artistic license because you know obviously work, working in like places where you know, in, in current in current jobs such as like the medical field, for example, like I do, like you, you see people do stuff in films. They like, well, that wouldn't happen. You're, yeah, or, you sort of like, well, do, that wouldn't make sense. That they, wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. They, 
they they forgot to do this and not go that because like there's real terms and obviously like you know it's a film's a film so you just let it go but i think in terms of like when it comes to like more fa- fantasy things you have an element of going like well this isn't based on any real science anyway so <laughs> yeah you have to kind of take in you have to go in with an open mind in that respect like if, if it yeah. was say like a, a, a you know if it was based on like a true medical story or something you as, as a medical professional you know certainly um obviously both working for the nhs you, you know both of you would be like, oh that wouldn't be right or they would do this differently rah, rah, rah. but because there's the fantasy element you sort of have to take a little bit of i'm not clinical just, though just, so no 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 but sort of uh, go in, you know you have to go yeah. in with an open mind, as you said, there's it's a fancy element involved. It's only that I think that they they tried to the first time. If they'd never done it and they'd gone, we've got this magic thing that will shrink you or grow you, you go, well, fair enough. But of course, they made this thing about the distance between molecules or atoms or cells or however they described it. So it stands out a little bit this time. But I have to say, it's a ton of fun. It starts in a nice place. All the daddy-daughter stuff that I would think on paper would make my teeth itch, I really, really like. It was cute, wasn't it? The supporting characters all work really well. Little touches like his him with magic, him with the cop, or the FBI, or whatever it is. Um, all of that works really well. Hannah John Kamen's an interesting character. I think, well, she's not a character. Anna Starr, the ghost, is the character. But where this film ends up leaves me to wonder what ended up happening to her. Um mm. I'd like to see another are, film with her, perhaps. There are a couple of blind alleys. I don't think they get the best use of um, Lawrence Fishburne here. But I enjoy it as far as it goes. And I think that's about it, really, for me. Also, like to add uh, Angelina Lily, uh, Lily, sorry. Um, she's probably she's one of those actresses that probably should have been a bigger star. I think I probably mentioned that on the, when we reviewed it. Yeah, she's more famous, isn't she, I think? I love the fact they call out a stupid haircut in the first one, in this film. Yeah. When, yeah. when we get to Louise's speech, because she looks a I lot more natural here. Isn't she? she looks a lot more natural, yeah. <laughs> um, but she looks a lot more natural here. It's not about yeah. short versus long hair. It's just, it's either not a wig or it's a better wig this time. Whereas it's clearly it looks a bit a like, um, oh God, Uma Thurman a little bit. In, um, obviously it's not a little in bit In the longer. first one, I was reminded of um, Spalco or whatever she was called in uh, the fourth oh, yeah. Indiana Jones film. Oh, that's and true, I, yeah. I've always hated yeah, she was that a little performance. Bit like that. Dr. Uh, Jones. Dr. Jones. <laughs> in this film, she's just got longer, natural, more natural hair. But yeah, the look's better, apart from the cock and balls on the front of the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Once seen, you cannot unsee. With that, shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yeah, go on then. So where do we start? We start with um, the little we, sort of narration from Hank, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. We, we basically sort of see what we kind of like was told, what we kind of saw in the first film, where previously on Ant Man. Yeah. Well, so it is. It is literally the same shots, actually. Uh, yeah, it sort of picks up, doesn't it? And we kind of go behind. But the he's scenes talking with, with to Hank. his daughter, so this time we get the preamble as well. When he told Scott about it. He was just saying, well, we there was this thing, you know, the Soviets accidentally fired this missile at us, and we flew to it, and you got them flying to it, and all the rest of it. You got all that. With this, you get the pre-them going to that mission, mm-hmm. saying goodbye to their daughter and leaving over the housekeeper and yep. stuff. Yeah. Then you get the post bit where he comes back alone and has to, like, just look at her and say, I'm sorry, I've lost your mum. You don't get any in-scene dialogue. It's all voiceover. And then when it cuts to them... They, they don't seem to be in a hurry, though. It's like, 
Oh, oh no, Rush. There's just a, literally like a, a missile be launched, but <laughs> we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go our, away. Our flight's, our flight's not till four, and um, <laughs> and we might pick. We might catch a movie on the way. It's that sort of. It's quite. A, I've never thought of that, Chris. It's quite quite a languid tone, hasn't it? <laughs> and she's doing a little joke to her daughter, pretending to fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> this is the first bit. Of, this is the first bit of de aging. Obviously, those two. Michael Douglas looks spot on to me. Uh, yeah, Michelle really Pfeiffer good. on the big screen didn't look right. Now, when I say didn't look right, I don't mean bad. I don't mean. I'll, I'll say it now, and I'll talk more when we get to the scene. I think Lawrence Fishburne looks terrible, de-aged. Um, it isn't like that when I look at it and go, "That doesn't look good." It looks natural. It looks like a real actress at that age. But I knew Michelle Pfeiffer in that era, and I like some films from that era, particularly like the Fabulous Baker Boys, and it didn't look quite right on the big screen both times I saw it. Um, I watched it today at home, and it looked spot on, and I don't know if that's a different screen size or what. I don't think it was Fabulous Baker Boys. I think it was... Um... Well, they use several else. films. They use Lady Hawk. They use Married that was to it, the yeah. Mob. Yeah, they tried to do like amalgamation. Yeah. It's an, oh, let's make yeah. it look like she looked in this film. When I first film, saw it, like a, I thought yeah. of um, Married to the Mob. But when you actually go back and watch Married to the Mob, um, she was. Um, she, I think she had a bit more of a perm in that. But yeah, it is kind of mid to late eighties era, and it it sort of didn't look quite right or in an almost undefined, indefinable way. But it didn't look bad. It, it was extremely good work. It just wasn't quite her. And like, as I say, I watched it today. No problem at all with either of them. So, I mean, that's a long way round to saying it was fine. But I'm saying on the big screen, it didn't quite play. But yeah, it's good. It's, captured... be- it's better than um, uh, Wolverine X-Men Origins, isn't it? So, <laughs> What, uh, Patrick Stewart the, at the end of it? The, the de-aging, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they de-aged old women the same way, I wouldn't want to see everything. Um, it's it's you get variable results for from it um we'll we'll talk about a lot of the cg when we review endgame um largely positively but there there are bits and pieces where they're still not quite it's it's not as good as it will be but it's a quantum leap on from where it was you know 15 20 years ago so Mm -hmm. they do this pretty well if you were going to pick any flaws with the de-aging work it's the actual lighting on the face but even that in this sequence is fine um so yeah we get the uh, and when they she finish he finishes recounting that story to her and why he didn't want her to be the wasp um it cuts to where is what is clearly around the events of the first film because she's got that hairstyle from that film which is not what she will have in the rest of the film and he, he says i think there's a way to get her back and yeah, and then do we have the Marvel logo? Then Marvel logo, yeah. yeah. It's funny. I've, I always think that they changed that several films ago, but they keep making little changes to it. Because I've noticed in the last couple of theatrical releases, um, as the Marvel logo pulls right out, you see Okoya. Oh yeah. And she's not in it at this stage. I was looking. I was looking. I was like, yeah, how, they, they how, how, how early did they put that in? Because this is a couple of films after Black Panther, of course. Yeah, they change um, it as a, as a series evolves. They do make small changes to it, yeah, as they go along, which is something I hadn't noticed. Okoye is in it now, and she isn't in it here, or at least I couldn't notice her. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then what I presume we must cut to um, 
kind of the homemade Raiders sequence, I suppose. It's a little bit like that. Because we didn't see the title of the film till the end of the film. Yeah, so we it basically it's Scotland, you know, pissing around with his kid. Yeah, and again, on paper, I hate this, on paper. Because it's mm. going to be several minutes of an annoying kid, and it's going to be something that has really fuck all to do with the plot, and it'll probably go on for several minutes, which it kind of does. But I really like is it, it. Is it like the the unorthodox kind of sense of humour they have, like the fact that she, no, the, the, you know, she gives them like a, a trophy of like the best, uh, best, best grandma, or something. yeah, best, that's it. And he, and he and he kind of like say, oh, well, that's that's all, you know. There's kind of like a a really sweet but kind she of like she completely gets him in a way yeah. she probably would. She probably has a wonderful relationship with her mother, but the way she gets her father is just different they get each other mm-hmm. i also think like I, I think being i think being honest i just think the little girl's pretty cute as well i think she's quite good for she's a child re- the actress girl's really good isn't and, she? she's so well good. they've generated chemistry between them yeah and kids, actually, she feels like they, they could be father and daughter kid kid actors never have any chemistry with anyone because they're busy they're too busy working hard on their normally very wooden performances they've got <laughs> real chemistry these two yeah, really, really good. And I just love the elaborate nature of it. I mean, he will have worked so hard, if this was real, setting up what is like a five-minute little sequence like he's little, got worked yeah. out. And it will have taken like a day to build. What, to be fair, what else has he got to do? Play the drums and video games. <laughs> <laughs> Spend two hours in the bathroom. He's living with the well. Learn magic, magic tricks. The whole point is they're they're in some sort of like cave or something and they've got to meet monsters and, you know, get through like traps and all this and booby traps and lasers all to all to get all to get into a central chamber where they can steal this prize Raiders style, which is actually a little trophy she bought him with world's best Mm. grandma written on it. And he was like, and he loves being world's best grandma. And she says, well, it was all they had. And. It's great, and then Louise is like helping and actually interrupting to reveal a bit of plot, which is they're putting in a big bid for a security contract on some building, and Louise yeah. is trying to keep costs low. So it's do we need so many security cameras? And Scott is the expert. They've set up basically, I think it's even called XCon or something. They've set up yeah, the business is XCon because yeah, they are XCons. Yeah, they've set up a security consultancy basically. Because who would know best than a bunch of thieves? Exactly. <laughs> it's poacher's term, gatekeep, gate, uh, gamekeepers, really. Yeah. But yeah, I love all this. It's really good. But it just it ends with them sort of going down a long slide and his foot going through the fence. And of course, he's wearing a tag, yeah. which, and I'm not going to spoil Endgame, but the very first shot of that film is Hawkeye wearing similar. So yeah, they but they're at home with tags on their ankles. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so we get introduced to uh, the rest of the family. Um, you know, his ex-wife and, and the partner and everything's going great with them and of course the FBI turn up because dad got set up so you have the, the FBI agent I think it's called I think he's called Wu who, explain, who explains why he's like got a tag with basically it's because of civil war essentially he uh, he, he decides to sort of like help fight the Avengers with well with mother Kat. and daughter are constantly like leave my daddy leave stroke leave Scott alone yeah you've got Paxton there going they're within their rights because he's a cop himself. So you can't do this, yeah, they can. <laughs> yeah, they can. And he says it with none of the sort of 
distrust of early in the first film. Yeah. He's on Scott's side, but he's like, I'm sorry, they can. Yeah, yeah um, he's kind of she says, well, actually, they can, you know. And when he talks to the little girl, he's like, well, you have rules at school, like, you can't draw on the walls. Well, your daddy drew on the walls in Berlin <laughs> with Captain America. Then he goes into the like Eagle Mumbo Jumbo, because they broke us, the... blah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, of the yeah, it's like section sixteen, paragraph four of the Sokovia Accords, or something. <laughs> something like that. This guy's really good. Um, he's just he, yeah, he's yeah, he's basically he's, um, he's quite funny. King uh, King John Kim John Un in um, the interview. The interview. Uh, the interview, just on on a, on a quicker side, the interview I was expecting to be dreadful because most of those sorts of films tend to be. Uh, the only reason there was any hype around it was because of the whole storm around the film. Yeah. The interview is actually fairly funny for at least half of yeah. it. It kind of tails off, but the first half of the interview is quite funny and, and he's funny in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's yeah. quite good like, as, as a comic actor. He's quite good. So. I wouldn't say it's a great film. I would say the first half of it is better than you might expect and the overall effect is okay. It's quite a hard role to pull off, like a comedy, comedic version of Kim, uh, Kim yeah, John Hoon. Yeah, yeah. I know, it is. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah. So yeah. So he he's he's, he's having explains that we get um, oh, the ma- a bit of an explanation of like the magic. We I just I just want to make sure we mention the magic. That's a yeah. bit of this scene as well. And he's um, and he, yeah yeah yeah. He yeah, learned he, like the magic for for this one, didn't he? Yeah. Sort of... Wu has a bit of a weird kind of like pally relationship with uh, Lang. He, yeah. In, in in this kind of like, well, I'm not going to do a job, but I can't like be mates at the same time. See now, when I first saw this. And we'll talk about it towards the end of the film, I suppose. I I thought I saw a romantic interest. Yeah. And I'm not so sure now when I rewatch it. It, it might yeah. just uh, I don't know. But you, in the last you, scene you of the film, you weren't the only one who thought that. You were, I, I, mean, at I the end of the film, I genuinely thought actually you'd quite like to take him to dinner, wouldn't you? I'm I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But anyway, he definitely wants to get to know him better. Seems to like him, but at the same time, the ambition of his job, he'd love to catch him at something. Yeah, because he races there with like almost giddy every time any sort of alarms, and yeah. they, they've he's only got three days till his sentence is up, and then he's got to go to like three years probation. You, you know what it is? I think it's he's just a bit of a, a Billy No Mates. So I think so anything exciting happens, it's like oh goody, and like an interaction with people, he kind of like latches onto. I think that's probably more what it is. It's just like he just doesn't have that many friends, and he's, and he's a bit asking, socially awkward. He's asking how he does the magic trick. He basically, he's, he's learned in a, a load of close in magic. Yeah. It only really matters uh, for a bit of a sort of payoff line later, but it, it also shows you how empty his life is, but also how hard he works for his daughter. Yeah. Because he's doing close in magic. Now, of course, you could CG all this, but I would imagine Paul Rudd had a go at learning this. Yeah, I think he, he learnt it. Fun fact, folks, he learnt it. His prep for his well, That's an early fun fact, folks. Um so uh yeah we also learned the fact that uh hope and hank are also on the run because of the fact that he took the ant-man costume slash technology therefore implementing them in the crime which seems a bit harsh if you ask me i'm not quite sure how that makes them criminals as well seeing as you know they they weren't like oh if they've provided it i suppose i don't know but yeah but it was like yeah he just stole it it's a different matter I don't know. Well, it I, it played that played that way to me today. To be honest, I'm questioning you, but I thought literally the same thing earlier. I'm thinking that's quite a harsh interpretation, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean, 
I mean, it's it's surely it only matter if you shouldn't have that technology in the first place. So that that'll be the crime. But do you know what I mean? It's like, but if they're legally required to have that technology, then it by law they're allowed Scott, to have it. Scott took that it. took that you know without yeah. their say so. So why are they held accountable? You, you know what I mean? It's it's a bit. I don't know. Hard, if I but... beat someone to death with a cricket bat you give me, does that make you guilty? <laughs> it depends yeah, on what you yeah, give exactly. it to me for. If you give it to me and I play cricket with it for a year yeah. and then kill someone, then that's different. If you give it to me as I'm walking out the door to go to kill someone, that might be different. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, think, the, I think that's the, probably right. Civil War is a year after Ant-Man. <clears> you think, well, they didn't give it to him to go to Berlin. Uh, but actually, it follows it follows Age of Ultron, so the Sokovia Accords are no, the Sokovia Accords aren't in effect till. No, you're absolutely right. The Sokovia Accords aren't in effect till Civil War anyway, so they're being judged for something they've given him before that happened. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but all right. So they're now on the run and hate Scott as a reason yeah. for that reason. The, the, yeah, the, the, only, the only reason why. I... I could probably think unless there was, there was, they were asked to comply with something and decided to leg it for whatever reason. And that's whence why, you know, but I am reaching there for an explanation. The film doesn't well, we really tell just, me that. We just have um, to accept now they're, yeah. they're on, they're effectively, whether they wanted to be or not, they're team cap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and they are now criminals. And so they're kind of like pissed off. They kind of, um, so Not... much of this, one of the things I really like about this film, and, and we'll talk about it through, it doesn't necessarily make the film better, but I think it might affect overall ranking compared to the first one, is they take a few of the little visual gags just on a bit further, because when you think that big, you know, train battle in the first film, and then it cut to a wide shot, and it was a little, little fucking toy thing falling over. Well, the similar tr- jokes in this film about, like, these tiny cars going along, they're looking like little fucking Hot Wheels or whatever. All of that, I think, plays really well. And the, the concept of the fucking building just being pulled around. But again, it's all... You've got to turn a blind eye, because surely the inside of that building must be a right fucking state, tipping it to 45 degrees constantly and slamming <laughs> it down yeah, on I, tables I and stuff. I was like, well, mm, I, 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 was, I was thinking about like what, what they do for plumbing or electricity. Like, how does that work? Well, yeah, like at the end with the house, I was thinking, don't don't houses need like foundations at all now? <laughs> and why is the road not damaged? Yeah. Uh, um, and it's I think it's on wheels anyway. I think part of it. Yeah. Well, why doesn't it just roll off then? Exactly. <laughs> it it exactly. turns out the road, the floor wasn't completely flat. I think they brought that on themselves, though, those sort of questions, because you go, well, it's Marvel, just accept it. And I think, well, I'd be tempted to... Got to roll with it. But the first film tried to attempt to, like, give an explanation, however sketchy, for most things. And then this film just shits on all that. And they, they, every time they go into the building, it's fine, no matter what position it's been in. Everything's kind of, like, stuck down. It's just, let it go, yeah. It's a bit <laughs> like Into Darkness, where the triples must be glued to the table. So, yeah, but, um, so we've had the opening scene with all of that. We've had, do we have the bit where he's kid? How early is he kidnapped? Uh, well, well, he, he, he's, he's, he's got about, we learn he's got about three days till he's like, gets the tag released. And so he, so he does his usual, like, you know, faff around with the drums or sing karaoke and he yeah, has a bath and then he, he gets um, this like connection with um, J- 
Janet. Or, you know, like he gets like a vision that kind of their minds kind of connect. Yeah. He dreams he's playing hide and seek with a young girl. He doesn't know who that young girl Mm. is. It's Hope, actually. But when he sees himself in the mirror, it's Michelle. It's very shocked Michelle Pfeiffer. So, uh, and out of him, um, he contacts Hank just to kind of say, look, this just a bit weird. Um, you probably don't want to hear from me, but I just thought I've got to let you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, then it, then he sort of, I don't know how, I'm not sure. I forget how they, um, how they knock him out, but they do basically kidnap him because obviously he's connected to her in some way, in some regards to the, the need, he needs what he knows to yeah. find her. Um, yeah, they, they well, uh, he recognises it, Pim, as at least theoretically uh, what he comes up to refer to mm-hmm. as quantum entanglement. Because he said, you must have entangled or tangled with her down there. And he's got, I, don't, I wouldn't do that to you, Hank. I, I respect you too much. <laughs> which which may or may not be the title of the new Bond film. <laughs> quantum well, I entanglement. Res- <laughs> I thought you meant I respect you too much. <laughs> there's a oh, me God. too ty- there's a me too title Daniel Craig and I, I, I just respect you too much <laughs> you've got to have your own barriers I respect that <laughs> Daniel Craig <laughs> as James no, Bond I in I respect your barriers Daniel Craig as James Bond in sorry is that too fast it's okay <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to make this weird <laughs> yeah is that enough It'd or do you weird. want me to do you want, like Alan Parsons do you want me to move on to the other one <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they, they, uh, he's watching TV of an evening. He feels like a little sort of James Bond in consent agreement. <laughs> yeah, it probably will be like that. Consent renewed. If they're not going to use license renewed, consent renewed. Leia Sadu is back. That would work. Will be consent renewed. Yes. Consent are, are you still happy for me to do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, Felix is here. He's not joining in. No, no, no. I don't think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, I think that's pretty much what it will be. It can't be any worse than Purvis and Wade would have come up with. Um, Listeners, right, so... if you could think of a brilliant <clears throat> title for Bond Twenty Five, drop us an email. Expect us to talk at gmail dot com. Preferably, though, if you can think of a crap one for Bond 25, <laughs> yeah, we, we'd have more I, laugh of a laugh listening to those. Than I actually, actual I, I'd wager that'll probably end up being better than what they actually do pick, like <laughs> even, if, even if we try and pick a crap one. Yeah, the only thing, I, I'd say I'm not one for let's do continuation novels, and I'm really not one for let's pick a title and retrofit a film to it. I never understand people going, they ought to call it this. And you go, you don't even know what the fucking film's about. What, what do you mean they ought to call it this? I, it's one of the corners of Bond fandom I don't get. I think it's fucking dumb. When it when it actually comes out, arguing whether it's very Fleming or it fits Bond, I understand completely. A kill to die for. But oh. for t- having just said <laughs> oh. all that, having said all that, I am curious whether they can use the title of a continuation novel but not the plot. I kind of don't because, think... Because of the information of the plot that we kind of know about now. Licence really Renewed. Yeah, yeah, but Licence Renewed makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it does make, really, that does make perfect sense. Better than Shatterhand, for example. So I kind of, I kind of think that that's out the window now, knowing the, the, you know, the very bare bones of plot that, that have been revealed so far. So I kind of get the impression that that's out the window. Although if they really sit Shatterhand tomorrow, I'll be like, ah. Oh. But still... Yeah, it makes well, it that I feel it's less likely. Unless they completely red con Blofeld. Yeah, bloody hell. What, what do you mean by red conning? 
like completely oh actually Franz Albert as it actually wasn't the real Blofeld I'm the real you know that kind of thing the real Blofeld was Freddie Mercury <laughs> I'm so it's my wife and actually Brian May was the power behind him anyway so he was the real Blofeld <laughs> the real Blofeld was Brian May Oh, <laughs> so far from far from growing, right, going bald. Far from yeah, far from Blofeld going bald, he's getting ever more hair. <laughs> <laughs> it it was a wig all along. It was a wiggy, yeah, curly wig all along. Right, okay, I admire your focus. So anyway, back to this film. Uh, he gets stung <laughs> Sorry, in the neck. Watching, he's got stung in the neck watching TV of an evening, and he, he wakes up to find he's basically been kidnapped by Hank and Hope. Yeah. And they're on the way. They're gonna get this device off uh, this black market dealer called Sonny Birch. Yeah, he's played by you know the the waste the, the wasted um, Walt Goggins. But well, the way they've the way they've written this, he needs to be here. But I mm. question it wouldn't have taken much to mm. write him out. And I don't think it. You could have written that end action sequence in in with very few differences you could have avoided this character, because I don't actually think he's that interesting a character. But anyway, it is what it is. He's got this sort of team of black market people that are selling things, because mm. ever since that sequence where he said, we can get her back, they've been trying to build something to go to the quantum realm. That's what they're doing inside this office mm. block that they seem to have bought and, and yet been able to move around everywhere. And so he, she's buying parts where she can get them. And Sonny Birch is obviously one of the dealers. And yeah, so he, because he has informants in the FBI, figures out who she, who she is. And then yeah, she like, calls herself Susan or something. She yeah. said, you, you know, you're not Susan, you're Hope. Yeah. Mm. And so, and then kind of like sort of what's makes a sign like this this kind of deal with this other that he's, he's got this other business connection with that he that he, that he wants her to do like kind of makes a force. It's like, oh, I'll give you this, but you have to start this company or do this thing for me. Uh, and she says, uh, no, rather not, then he kind of goes, well, I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, so she ends up taking it. She gets she gets into the uh, the wasp suit, which we get our first uh, action scene. We see her in action. Yeah, um, one of the few things I just read in the background of this film is they, they deliberately tried to, I think, feminise her fighting style at least anyway, because it was a yeah. little sort of, um, I can't even remember the word for the martial arts from the first film, but they, she was using a certain style that was very efficient in the first film, and they wanted this a lot more languid and fluid, and I think they've done it. I think through whatever combination of stunt work, CG and actress this is, mm. she moves very well. Oh, definitely. And the, const- the constant changes of size and stuff like that, it, it works really, really nicely. Uh, yeah, Hannah, uh, Hannah John Kamen as Ava Starr, she's uh, she's not referred to by her name very often, which is why I tend to call, go by the actress's name mm. more than I should. Yeah, I think you hear um, you know, referred to as Ava like a handful of times. Mm. Or Ghost, um, which is kind of like the, yeah, the, visibly the name. Visibly quite interesting. Vis- visually quite interesting to look at an interesting problem that this character has that she sort of phases in and out of reality um so so think of like vision's skill set although this isn't a skill set it's an a vision it's a it's an um it's an affliction mm-hmm. but with vision obviously you know you, you can he, he can phase he can go through walls you can he can be solid one minute and then the next minute you put your hand right through him uh, she's got this as an affliction 
we later find out. But of mm. course, he's just trying to steal this part. And um, Hank and Scott are out in the van with eyes on this. Now, why did they actually need Scott here? Because he didn't go in originally, did he? No, um, I think it was it was one, once Ghost got involved, then Scott decided to get in to help her out. But they didn't know that was going to happen. So no. why did why did they pick? When because, I think about it, why did they pick Scott up for this well, in the first place? It, 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 it's 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 the broader of the thing. They were going to get get the the thing that they needed, and then and then with they'll they'll use Scott to get the info that he had or find out what he knew. Um, you know, so it was, it was kind of like. Oh, we're going. We're going. We, we've got this appointment, so we'll get get start get Scott on the way, and then do this thing, and then do, do you know what I mean? I think it was. I think it was part and parcel of it. That be that. That was the thinking. Okay. Um, um, obviously, she gets sort of out away with the thing, and she because she can phase. She basically puts her hand through mm. Hank's neck. Yeah. But phased, so like if she if she formed solid again, she would kill him. Um, and it's to take the lab, which is, of course, is this yeah. little sort of brief, you know, well, kind of. If you think about a small sort of pull-along bag that you would drag behind you, it's mm-hmm. about that size. Um, and so she steals the lab, and yeah, there's not a lot to this film. It's all, it's all a bit. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of back and forths on this lab to finish this machine to get, hopefully, Janet back. Yeah, that's the whole point. They need to finish the sort of whatever they call it, to get into the quantum realm. The machinery to do that needs to be finished, and it's inside that lab. So they're buying the bits to finish it off to get her back. And the whole point of this film is a couple of back and forths on where that lab is. Mm. That's all it is, while Scott tries to avoid being caught away from the property, because he's meant to be under curfew. What we haven't mentioned is they've put the tag on a, on a giant ant. That, that Because they can control ants, they've trained this ant to mimic his routine. Yeah. So they keep cutting back in the ants like playing on drums and shit. Playing video games <laughs> and eating boxes of cereal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and first time Louis sees him, he goes, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Is that Scott? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so where we go, we, yeah, we, we meet, uh, they go and um, find Bill Foster, who they think might be able to help, because it was like, it was similar technology that Hank... Uh, what it is, is they involved. say, could we, could we think Star Trek The Next Generation where they go technobabble, technobabble, and what they say is, can we technobabble in order to find out where the lab is? Yeah. Well, I don't have such an equipment. We could, but my equipment to do that is in the lab. So they've got to go and find someone someone with a similar skill set to Hank in order to work out where mm. the lab is to go and get it. That's all this is. And Fo- Bill Foster, played by Lawrence Fishburne, is a lecturer, isn't he? Mm-hmm. At whatever that is, University uh, of Southern California or whatever it is. MIT? Yeah. San Francisco University. <laughs> MIT is uh, not there, is it? No, I um, I was trying to be funny, but it didn't really work. So, yeah, given it's MIT, in another state. Yeah, Mass- Massachusetts. You couldn't get exactly, much further away. Exactly, it's on the other side. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so, Bill Foster and Hank have uh, Apache history. Yeah, they're not the best of buds, are they? Yeah, all we're told is um, he they were partners and he, he was impossible to work for Hank, Hank Pym, basically. That's all mm-hmm. we're kind of told at this stage. There's a bit of dick-waving comp- contest about how they've both been in giant... Both him and Scott have been in giant <laughs> form. They compare uh, sizes. 
yeah, it's 21 feet against 65. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's quite an easy win for Scott and sort of um, Hank's technology. But, yeah, they really are slagging the shit out of each other, aren't they? These, the, the two older guys. Mm. They are. Egos at dawn. Yeah, so they... Yes. So after they like, said, wait, I can't really help you, but here, here's here's what I know. And they, they try to slag it because the FBI is there. Uh, more sort of tracking uh, Hank and Hope. Um and they've been they... seen. They've been seen basically. Yeah. Um, when they do, when they do leg it and they go in, Bill does actually cover for them. Mm. But um, yeah. Uh, but he he helps locate where uh, Eva is or Ghost is. Um, and they 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 hatch a plan to kind of take the the lab back and. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 they, they essentially get captured. It turns out that Bill's actually with with Ava. What we have missed is the uh, yeah, it's a trap. But what we yeah. have missed is uh, is Scott getting his suit back. Oh yeah. Or is that or is that later? Because he it's a second suit, isn't it? The, the first one malfunctions. Yeah, no. This I think is he's still using the the second one because he's like uh, yeah, he was talking about like have you still got the suit? And he's like, well, no, I destroyed no. They ask it, I hope you destroyed it. Because he, but then he's he says he does at the start. And it's all this I respect you, of course I would sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and obviously her and Hope have a have a bit of a moment where uh, he said like, well, if I asked you, would you have gone? And she's like, well, if you did, you wouldn't have got. If I did go, you wouldn't have got caught. Uh, so there's there's that, and then you do get the. Could you stop thinking about my daughter long enough to <laughs> lots of those sorts of jokes yeah. in this more than the first film even. Um, they, yeah, they have to. Cassie has taken that best world's best grandma to show and tell at school, and it's yeah. hidden in the base of that. So there's a point where he has to go in with the previous suit on to steal it, and that suit is oh, malfunctioning. Oh, that was it. Yeah, that's it. I think we've got. So he bit. was wearing that. Sorry, it wasn't before the ghost fight because he was wearing the suit, but it started malfunctioning afterwards. That's absolutely correct. So before they go to deal with ghosts, they have to change that suit. And he's he's like shrinking to the size of like a small child and then a big adult and things like that. Mm. And it's played for comedy. And it's, it's actually pretty funny because he goes back and he's like the size of a small child. They're like, yeah. uh, he says, do you want a juice says... box and some string or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... yeah. And he's like, he's like have you actually got that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very oh, funny. Some ju- a juice box and some juice strings, you know. Do you actually have that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they go to Ghost. He, um, yeah, they go to to Ghost. Hank is obviously still in the um, uh, van. There's lots of little bits of conversation we miss. Another thing with this film we haven't mentioned is the little cars, and I love that. It, it's an extrapolation on from the you know the tiny train and and all the rest of it. Obviously, that wasn't shrunken down in that film, but just how things look quite dramatic until you cut wide on them. When he's first kidnapped, she's driving him along in a car, and it turns out it's tiny. It's the size of a little matchbox car. Uh, the slight inconsistency is it's driving at a normal pace, and when it cuts wide, if that was real, it's going at an unbelievable pace. <laughs> but um, that that little joke where they could shrink a van, they shrink the car, put it away, take out a van, and expand that. Yeah. I do quite like all that. It, it's just just nice little things that that you don't need explaining. It's just a fun concept, isn't it? Um, yeah. So what do we want to drive today. Way. What do we need to drive today? And it means they they own about a dozen cars. They've got like mm. a little fleet, really. 
Yeah, I wonder where they get it from. Anyway, so yeah, so they've been caught by um, Ghost and uh, Bill, uh, and they're kind of like we can we kind of get the backstories as to why you know you know it's kind of associated with um, Hank sacked um, Ava Star's uh, father, and he could continue. He says afterwards. Like, Hank says afterwards to Scott that her head's been filled with a load of lies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whatever Star's father was called, I can't remember now. Was was a was a liar and a sp- I think he even says a spy. Um, what she's been told though, and the story that is told is that um, he was working with Hank until he ended up disagreeing professionally with Hank. Hank not only fired him but got him blacklisted. He ca- tried to carry on his work privately, but in order to get notice and funding and all of that, he was taking bigger and bigger risks. He has what looks like one of these quantum realm devices, and it's mm-hmm. kind of effectively, for want of a better way to put it, backfiring. So it's just hitting them with something. Mm. Um, and he tries to get mother and daughter, you know, his wife and daughter out of there. He's killed by it, and she's hit by a blast of something which starts this phasing, mm. which she explains is basically her body being pulled apart and smashed back together constantly. Yeah. It's it's sold as extremely painful, and it's one of my favourite things about her performance. I think she sells the pain. Mm. I think she does. She's a young lady in a lot of pain. At some point, she is talking about. I mean, at one point, she says to Bill, "You know, how can we get them?" And it's like he's got a daughter. Bill won't have anything to do with that, and it just paints her as right on the edge of what's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I would say ethical, but none of it's ethical. But even, you know, mm. even in the sort of honour amongst thieves kind of. Realm, in, uh, in, 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 in the situation, he feels it's the it's, it's the more right to kind of help her. Yeah, yeah, he's trying uh, to help her. It's as simple as that. And of course, he's no fan of Hank anyway. He's probably bought into the whole well. Hank's done something to upset her father, you know, to ruin her father. So there's all that as well. So they're they're, they're effectively fine. They managed to escape by uh, Hank effectively uh, faking a heart attack. Yeah. He needs his pills, and his pills you, turn out to be little. You also have Cassie so. ringing the whole old gag of like, sorry, it's an emergency. <laughs> yeah, it's where, where no. are my sneakers or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the 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 escape using like the the little mint tin that's full of ants that just sort of which they then can then out. expand and they yeah. just basically surround Bill, so they're just kind of yeah they're kind of trapped and they can mm. get out. Does that mean that they've, yeah, they've got the lab as well then. Doesn't that just doesn't that lead pretty much straight? No, it doesn't. It leads to their arrest, doesn't it? Um. Oh no, actually no. They no. go somewhere. They go somewhere and expand the lab. Sort of in a woodland yeah. somewhere, and then we got the Louise scene. Because yes, Louise calls because they're putting together this plan. It's quite well plotted, really. It's thin, but everything kind of has a point. That whole action sequence, that old playing with his daughter thing, is mm. to reveal that trophy. That trophy is mm. as a point, um, and it's the same here. They're, they're doing this. They've got this business, but if they don't get this contract, they're going to go under. They don't have, really have any work, mm. and this is quite lucrative. Um, and it's something to do with one of the plans that Scott has, and it's at the lab. So it's like, well, you're going to have to come to me to pick it up. So this yeah. top-secret lab location he gives to Luis. And Luis is on the way, but Sonny Birch comes along with um, his henchman, with, um, which may or may not be true serum, which I think is actually quite a funny guy. <laughs> they, were, they, they haven't left yet. They're still in their, they're still in their office sort yeah. of stroke store. 
Um, but they're about to leave, and as they're about to leave, Walton Goggins turns up, or Sonny Birch. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, this Louise sequence, I think on first viewing, I thought wasn't as good, but having watched both Outman films recently, this is at least the, the equal of the first film. Yeah, I was like, yeah it's, it's, I, I say it's slightly funnier, just because if you look at the facial expressions of them both, and just, I, I think it, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's they describe they can, yeah. You, they describe you don't they get a Stan Lee, do you? you? don't get a Stan Lee saying things in in Louise voice. No, it's but... not. He's like, oh, it was fun in the sixties, but now I'm paying for but, it. But you so... do get, yeah, you, you do get um, Scott and uh, Hope <laughs> talking like Louise. It's like, oh yeah, damn, she's gonna do, she's gonna do me like that. <laughs> Look at my hair doing my business. <laughs> and, and he and, and he's like, I can't tell you this, but I gotta go off to Germany. To, <laughs> stuff he wouldn't. Have said. And he's like, well, damn! And th- she throws her phone in the bin and stuff like a ton of background because. And they basically say, you, well, you, set, you set the jukebox going, and he's going, oh, this jukebox that was like full of Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> Half of what he's saying is utterly irrelevant. All they want to know is where this. He's like, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, uh, yeah, but it's got a ton of background, and it's got you know, it's got like Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly making out in the house and stuff like that as he's telling the story, <laughs> and they're talking about the hair, and they're making out. It's like you're damn fine and stuff like this. And it's really, really funny, and it goes on for it goes on for quite a while, but it's also intercut. Damn, with he really broke my heart, kind of thing. Yeah, it was intercut with oh, but when they meet in prison as well. Yeah, and he says, "Well, we're going to be best friends." <laughs> Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, but I need part of. Well, guess what? You're unlucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, we just did the whole sequence backwards, didn't we? Pretty much. Kind but, of. But yeah, they had the the uh, the the say going to inject him with like this sort of thing that makes him more susceptible, and he says, oh, "Isn't that a basic truth serum?" It's like, well, it's not truth serum. No, there's no such thing as truth serum. It's like, <laughs> it's like well, well, it is. That's totally truth serum. <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of is, you know. <laughs> And then all his crew are like agreeing. Well, that's truth serum, isn't it? If it looks like a duck, it looks like a duck. Well, <laughs> well, I love the fact that they're never really that scared. Louise seems to be almost enjoying the whole thing. Good. Well, he said like, well, well, what you need to consider is I've got a lot of allergies. So, um, oh, that. so yeah, then uh, so the, the, while they they figure out they. Uh, they figure out how to connect with um, her, with Janet because Scott gets another connection with where Janet sort of like channels through him and then and then tells them where where they can find her um, um, and then then when he wakes up he gets a phone call saying like um, right well not only that the F, not only the FBI but somebody Birch knows where you are so we need to move um, and so that instantly sort of tells Scott he needs to get out. While they're kind of pissed off the fact that they just completely um, jeopardised everything uh, again because you know because yeah of his, they look uh, really disappointed in him as well because you know that after the whole Berlin thing but it's kind mm. of not well it is his it is his fault but it's not his fault he's just trying to he's trying to please and help everybody and it's just the essential for everything decency of Scott Lang is mm. you know for for everything he's a thief but or he's been a thief but. There's an essential decency to him. He wants to do everything right for his daughter, everything right for his ex-wife and her partner, everything right for Hope and Hank, everything right for his work colleagues, you know. So it's just difficult. But yeah, they're they're on to him basically. I think then uh, they ca- they come out and shrink the building and they're arrested, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he manages to get back um, 
on time. Uh, um, he gets and, back home. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so everything's okay. He's got, he's got like one day left now, I think, or something like that. He's one day left, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, the whole thing's three days. The whole film is three yeah. days. Yeah. And yeah, and he has a talk with um, his his daughter and Cassie, and they, yeah, it, I'm trying to think now. It, it, it kind of talks about sort of what 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 you know what makes a good partner and that, and she basically kind of convinces him to go go back for him essentially so you kind of have what happened in the in the first film where hank broke scott out of prison but in reverse now you got like him breaking them out that's right that's all done relatively yeah. efficiently and the reason i say that is i rewatched it today it's one bit of film i film film i missed i went to my kitchen to do something and i thought well i know what happens here so i'm happy to let that run and i wasn't in there very long came back out and all of that breaking him out thing was done mm. so it's relatively efficient yeah, yeah, it does. It does move along quite quickly, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then you pretty much, it's, it's pretty much start to get on a um, you, you, that chase scene essentially. It's just one. It's just one long ride for They are only fighting over this building. That's what all the film mm. is really. We've yeah. had just a few back and forth. I mean, literally, the whole plot of the film. Had he had she bought that part, taken it back to the building, fitted it. Scott's there and had some, con, you know, content con, uh, connection with the, uh, Janet. They'd have found her then, and that would have been mm. the whole plot of the film done effectively. It's, Actually, it's relatively... no, I've missed something out there. No, what have you missed? They, uh, Hank does go in to get Hope, but then they find out that they're um, they're being followed, so they have to kind of sh- shrink the building while Hank's in the quantum realm. Get, yeah, that's to get right. So, yeah, Hank, Hank says I'll do it. Goes in. Um, some of the stuff that's been sort of seeded early in the film is it messes with your mind when mm-hmm. you go in. You know, you very similar to like Ant Man in Giant Man form actually. Kind of mm. seems to tire and disorient both both of them in their two different roles in this sequence. Yeah, so it means you can't come out. The building's got to be full size and ready. You got to be ready to be pulled out. So. All the time the building is in a reduced size, mm. there's risk to Hank and, and Hope. Or Hank and Janet, yeah. rather. So, yeah, so then you basically have like the big action scene where you have both uh, Louise and um, Scott and Hope like run, uh, running out on ghosts on the tail with, with the motorbike. And it's like both catching like the, the lab, essentially, back and forth. Yeah, the lab is going back and forth between uh, Walton Goggins, uh, Hope, uh, and Scott, and the ghost, mm. basically. They, they they pack quite a lot into this car chase, don't they, I think? It's actually it, You've got kind of like, follow follow the lab, literally follow the lab. Um, his suit is malfunctioning again, so yeah, he's, exactly. he's going yeah, to of, various different sizes as well. Yeah, up, down, up, down, big, small, big, small, definitely. And like the epic, when they switch cars between like the the Hot Wheels like van and, and the sports car as well. And there's a lot going on, I think it's... A, the best sequence in the whole film for me. It's by far the best sequence in the film. It probably makes I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the heist in the first film as well. Mm, mm, which definitely. Will probably put it above the first film. You can argue about sort of structure, plot. You can argue about the sort of science or lack thereof. You can act, argue about the two different villains. But th- frankly, the big money sequence in this film I prefer. The daddy daughter stuff is better in this film than the first mm. one. So those two. Yeah, these two aspects raise it up. Probably put it over the top. What I will say, and I don't want to pick on the guy because I loved him to bits, is I hate Stanley's cameo in this film. 
It's my oh, least it's favorite. funny. <laughs> it, it's my least favorite in the of every cameo he's ever done. It's my least favorite because the line's not funny because Stan Lee was fucking in his forties or fifties in the fucking sixties anyway, so like that doesn't work. But he's looking frail and he he looks like he's reading it off an idiot board. So it's mm. not a very good line. I suppose he's kind of really... just playing like the man in the street, right? He's not like a a janitor or a bus driver, or he, he doesn't appear as a character. Like he's just Stan Lee going to his car and it's like oh <laughs> yeah but it's a poor line badly delivered by a failing man well, and on that basis well, i loathe it what's your favorite stanley one that's a tough one i do I, is it is it is it deadpool he's got a good one in deadpool if you're talking mcu um oh i like his one in the original amazing spider-man uh, yeah, that's, that's quite good actually in, well in the uh, library where he's just yeah his... if you're talking mcu relatively few of them stand out i the when he loses Cap's suit, that's oh, yeah. the, <laughs> that's in the Winter Soldier. Oh, Although oh, I thought he looked frail. Yeah, I thought he looked frail there. To be honest, though, um, yeah, most of his cameos are fine. This one I actively didn't like because I just thought they're on the verge of almost needing to drop that because he's look he looks too frail. He's and the line, the, the line, I didn't find him. you might have Becker and it, sense of humor subjective, but I thought the line was terrible. I think it was funny. It's one of those things, isn't it? I think for the you know he's kind of not playing a character or doing a role or sort of thing like that. But it's just that you here you are here's a line you know. I mean it's kind of it doesn't really kind of have any sort of real meaning. It's like oh it's not really consequential. It's not like he's smoked a spliff and then seen this car vanish before his eyes. You know. The, but it's, it's, it's a quick line, it's funny, it's serviceable. Move on. Uh, without giving it away, I, was like, I like his cameo in Endgame. Oh, he pops up, okay. Yes, no, that, 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 I think that is the last one he filmed, but I do oh. like it. Well, that's nice Wars actually pretty good. Which one? What did he have in that one? I can't he was, remember. He was the bus driver, so like, what, we've not seen a uh, alien spaceship before? Yeah, that was okay. Um, most, of them are, most of them are fine, yeah. most of them are sort of a similar quality to each other. You know, I quite liked him as Hugh Hefner in the, you know, first Iron Man film. They're, they're normally okay, all of them. Mm. But, like, one or two have jarred. And, and funnily enough, the Winter Soldier one I ha- is one of my favourites and least favourites at the same time. In that it's a good line, but he was starting to look quite frail there as well. Mm. Tony Stank was all right. Tony Stank, yeah, that was quite funny. <laughs> that was okay. Stank? Very very a- few of them actually, do I care about either way. The, the Captain Marvel one's actually quite a nice one. Yeah, it's a bit oh, yeah, that's too, true. Actually, yeah, that's yeah, reading the reading the Morat script is a li- nice little touch. Mm. It's classic. Um, the only thing is, you could tell he just died because it just runs two beats too long. Mm. Mm. They have a long lingering look at each other. I thought unless unless you two are unless you two are going to make out now, you've ended this <laughs> wrong. Um, they're always they, all right. They probably do like a supercut of all of his cameos. I don't. I, I bet there's one on YouTube. I'll I'm sure there it. is. Um, but I don't have any strong feelings about them most of the time i like them most of the time just about but this one i really really hated just because he he looks so frail there's a camera cut as well you see it from wide and then it cuts into a different angle and it's like cue stan and then he awkwardly delivers this line and i'm just oh the end game one's better okay We'll I'll be that. sure to keep an eye out for it when I see it. That's one part of the film I don't mind having spoiled. But the actual sequence is, is a, well, I don't want to spoil it's, it's, it. It's, it's not really a spoiler alert because it's something that's going to happen. Hang on, what, so. <laughs> what date's this show coming out? You've had a you've had a week and a half. No, I can't spoil it because you haven't seen it, Becca. It gives <laughs> At a, this point in no, history. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't get it, 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 There is an even if I gave you the basics of it, it gives something away. 
So I can't. Literally everything in Endgame is a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, see, I, Chris will understand why. I cannot I've seen, tell her I, anything. I've seen the trailers. I can't, no, but Chris, I can't tell her anything about his cameo, can I? No, not, I can't. not well, not without spoiling. No, uh, I can't, exactly. Yeah. I like, you know, I mean, let's face it, like, the first five minutes, you're going to talk spoiler. He's going to be go to spoiler territory with, with something like Endgame, so it's, it, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so you, could, long, you, you could do, like, after we sign off, for example, I'll, I'll say goodbye. And then maybe, like, you um, you guys could do, like, so, let's no, discuss. No, well, we're going to talk, talk, talk about it soon enough anyway, so. All right. Chris has spoken. <laughs> Well, it's quite a it's because we talk about it soon anyway. So, um, yeah, but yes. we, we record it in three days. <laughs> I, I can wait that long. I can wait that long. Three days uncounting. So, uh, what we talking about? Yeah, so cut long story We're short, talking about uh, the action sequence generally. Yeah. Um, and I, there's not an awful lot I want to say about it, but it's, it's very fun. fun. It's, yeah. Inventive. Um, I said, I think, like, go back to like at the beginning, I think it's just. It just seems to be a lack of tension with it. That that's my only major issue. Uh, other than that, it, it's all very well done. Yeah, no, I don't absolutely agree with that. So, I, but there isn't a lot I want to say about it. In that, it, it's almost like um, it does have. It, it's wisely got things to cut between, because there are points where you've got Walton Goggins having to fight Hannah John Cayman. There's points where Louise has to is involved and he's in a different mm. car and he's having a ton of fun. You know, he's genuinely loving it. It's it's great. Uh, I I really like the sequence. It's 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 vis- visually inventive. You've then got like Paul Rudd having to like ride a pickup like it's a scooter mm. or something because his size keeps changing so dramatically. Um, she's having to work very improvised. The wasp having to slowly, you know, having to quickly sort of resize things. Mm. So um, you've got cars driving it. If you think of the bit in the Ang Lee Hulk film, where Hulk finally comes out in uh, San Francisco after you know the leaping all the way there, um, roughly where he changes back to Banner is where some of this action is taking place. And there's a bit where she's like being chased by a car, and she'll suddenly like shrink the car, and then that car mm. will smash into something because yeah. it's somewhere you can't go. It's like you know gardens on the side of a cliff sort of yeah. thing you've seen it in Ang Lee's Hulk and other films but that's the one that occurs to me um, so I mean it, I really it uses like the, the um, it, it, use, it, it uses the location well it uses the location well because there's lots of elevation changes and you know you've got tiny little cars having to sort of um, navigate you know big jumps mm-hmm. and things like that I think and all the time you've got Louise enjoying himself so some of them are, are feeling tense some of them are having fun some of them are just desperate to get what it is they want obviously what, and, what and you've got Hank in a quantum realm do, doing that stuff so and okay. you've got him starting to sort of not lose consciousness but he find he finds her we know he's found her but he can't get back out and he's not used to being there so he's absorbing all this energy that he's not that comfortable with you know yeah um and then yes yeah, so of cut long story short um uh scott kind of has to make himself big because uh sonny's got on like uh, one of them like sort of yeah they've chased it so at the point sonny's got the building mm. um and he's gone on to like a ferry with it mm. at the uh, at the sort of bay so 
where else would you get onto it? It has to be a bay, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah. so Scott gets after it. Um, he's on an ant where he says, I'm going to call you Ant O'Neill Banderas. Mm. But the ant is attacked by a seagull. So he's sort of pitched into the water. He has no, no choice but to resize. And yeah, he resize. He becomes giant to sort of get the mm. building back. And then he kind of has struggle because he starts losing consciousness because he's just got so big. That, that seeded just... earlier. He said he said after Berlin he slept for like three days or something. Yeah. It just it just massively burns energy. So he's starting to pass out. He's starting to come off as a bit mm. drunk, isn't he? Almost. Yeah. yeah. And similar is happening to Hank in the quantum realm, but not as dramatic. He's he's uh, so he's just manages just to get the 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 lab on on some ground before he passes out. Um, Hope goes in and say and saves him, but um, Ghost manages to like sa- uh, make it big to to go and do what 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 needs to be done, um, uh, and then because she wants she wants to sort of use it that uh, use it to to cure herself, but it would mean you know losing Hank and losing, Jan- yeah, losing her. That's the point. She's, yeah. yeah, they need to get her out first, not just draw yeah. energy out of there. I don't know that that bit's that well told because yeah. you think is it? It's not sold that it's not possible to yeah. do both. But anyway, um, at, the, at the same time, uh, Sunny's team are basically hit with the truth serum. Yeah. So when the police turn up, he's like, "I've got restaurants and they've got terrible cold violations." <laughs> yeah. Some of it's shocking. And one of the and the guy who was arguing with Luis goes. It is a truth serum. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so y- you have that. Um, and, and sorry, then, and it's Scott's, uh, it's Scott's business partners yeah. and friends that actually save them because they are about to be uh, yeah. shot by Walton Goggins. Yeah. So yeah, so Bill Foster kind of kind of goes, well, hang on, if they're going to get uh, Janet, they might be able to help you because it's like now he's like thinking, well, no, this is going a bit bit too far now because you you know, uh, but she. She knocks him out, uh, so Hope and Scott get in, and they they might they manage to, to stop Ghost and bring and bring them both back. And, and Janet essentially d- d- does she kind of temporarily cure her? What she do? She just transfers a load of energy. The, the the bit that I'm not clear about is it's obviously not a cure. It's a medicine. It's it's palliative in that um, she can stabilize her for now with all the energy she's absorbed. But, of course, at the very end of the film, we find they're going in to get more of that stuff. So she obviously needs regular doses of whatever that is. So uh, so it must be kind of like a battery's running low and she's just, like, juiced her up. Yeah, basically. That's one way to see it. And we will talk about that when we get to Endgame because mm. I have a question about that that's implied by what goes on there. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, she's able to help her for that. She can relieve it, and of course, not only you're relieving the symptoms, but the pain that comes with them. And then, yeah, it's all kind of all happy families, then, isn't it? Wrapping up now. Yeah. Um, he, 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 uh, Scott gets there back. Uh, back oh, of course, the FBI time. are onto his onto his tail, yeah. and he's got to get back before they go to his house. Yeah. Which every time they the the sort of thing gets triggered, they have to. Um, they've also got to release him as well. I don't think it's been triggered because the ants wearing wearing mm. it, but they they go there fairly regularly and they've got to yeah, go there to release him. Yeah, they suspect that he's he's out because you know because yeah. of all, all everything yeah, that's going spotted, on. They've spotted a giant thing and they know he's fucking Ant Man stroke giant yeah. man. They, he was arrested after Berlin for the exact same thing. 
So, which was on film because of security cameras at the airport. So, mm. yeah, um, they go home. They did a little fake out with putting the suit up to full size. And long story short, he gets home. And when they get there, he's like playing the drums or something, mm. isn't he? Or is it? Or is that the time he's he's pretending no, to be sick? No, no, yeah, no. It's he's playing the drums this time around. The f- yeah, it was earlier in the film mm. where they tried to catch yeah. him out, and Cassie held them off long enough yeah. while he pretended to be sick. Okay, he's playing the drums this time. Yeah. And Wu's like, damn it. Just needed a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they Again, the, the, as will be clear to people who've seen um, Endgame and stuff, there are issues around time and ageing in the uh, quantum realm, but they did decide to age Janet just so it wasn't creepy when she um, reunited with Hank Pym. So she has aged while she's been in there. Uh, Ava's effectively, yeah, they go back into, um, oh, he's released from his house house arrest. Uh, Ava and Foster kind of aren't, well, they, they seem to go into hiding, but obviously we find out in the mid-credit sequence that's not the case as such, or at least Hope and Scott know where she is. Um, what else? Is that it, really? Um... More, you know, friendliness between the sort of extended family, but yeah. Oh, Hope, Hope, sure. and Hope and Scott are back together. Yeah. They go to a drive-in movie, and it turns out to be a laptop, and they're in a tiny little car, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice touch. Well, uh, what 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 would happen if it went on screensaver? That must be what they do then. <laughs> Jump up and down <laughs> crazily on a key. Yeah, uh, anyway, so and yeah, so. Uh, that's it. Uh, we we get the post credit scene, which kind well, of the leads into the mid-credit scenes is um, they're in trying to harvest more sort of of this energy to keep mm. keep Anna Ava Anna Ava what yeah called, stable. And uh, while they're in there, the snap happens because this is happening just as sort of Infinity War is happening. So Thanos' snap happens, so he's not pulled back out because Hope, Hank, and um, Janet Janet are all dusted. Damn it, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Um, Although before this had happened, uh, they went and put the house on the beach or something, didn't yeah. they? So they're yeah, uh, they Hank, yeah. Hank and Janet are sort of back nice, still together. Um, if you like. That was a nice sequence. Like, oh, that was a nice little together. sequence. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be a bit heartbreaking to sort of like come back. You're like, um, sorry, yeah, Hank, I'm ca- I've, I've kind of moved on. You're an old man. I'm not interested. I'm, I'm kind of moved on now. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? I've got three decades of fuck all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, he's kind of stuck there, and yeah, that's it. Other than the like final that. joke is just the ants playing, the, yeah. the ant playing the drums, but we saw that in trailers anyway. Yeah, and then that's it. So final thoughts. Well, before I go on to final thoughts, I've just been reminded by having it playing in the background. I do like Stanley's cameo in Age of Ultron when he's hammered. <laughs> that's oh cool. yeah, drinking Thor's little drink. That's oh cool. yes, I like that one. So yeah. Um, Final thoughts from me, just very quickly. There's not much to this film, really. If you actually lay out the plot, two or three things happen. There's just a few back and forths to sort of pad it out a little bit. doesn't really feel like padding, though. I think it uses its running time quite well. I think Paul Rudd's extremely charming. Him and uh, the girl playing Cassie have really great chemistry, so I don't... I enjoy actually all of that, and I can't remember the last time I've tolerated kids in a lot of films, and I've seen the need for kids in a lot of films to tell a, a story but to actively enjoy a sort of parental relationship you know a parent-child relationship in a film is, is very very rare 
and I enjoyed it here. Luis, uh, alright, it's a redone joke, but it's really funny. It's done really well. Uh, I like the sort of quote-unquote antagonist in the film. Not really a villain, but... Although she does hew close to villainy at times. But, she's um, unhinged, but she's yeah, kind of, she's it, willing to go too far. So. Yeah, she's she, willing to. She's almost willing to go too far. She, a couple of times. She's someone who's desperate, essentially, isn't she? She's kind of like someone who's at, desperate. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy her far more than say Aaron Cross. I think I enjoy the big central action sequences more more than I enjoy the heist. Although on paper, I prefer the heist because I like heist type films. Mm. Um, uh, the film does let go of any sort of claim on trying to explain how any of this works, which it had in the first film. So it's a very similar standard to the first film. It, I think a lot of people rank these very low. It would be somewhere in the middle for me. I think I know roughly where that is. Um, I, I can't really... I, you know, they're enjoyable. I don't get particularly excited about an Ant-Man film coming up, but I want to see it. I always enjoy it. I'd happily see more. And that's about it from me, really. Beckers? Oh. We do this again. Shall we dance? <laughs> uh, sure, I'll go. Um, yeah, I've got to go anything more to add as usual, really. Um, it's it it's it's perfectly fine. And same, I think it's probably. I think I, I think in comparison, I think the only thing different between this is you can kind of tell that it hasn't got Edgar Wright's um, fingerprints on it, so you can kind of tell what exactly what how what style paint reads going for and he hasn't done a bad job i think yeah the, the only thing is it's probably just feel comes across as a bit too light a to touch um there's no test as i said before there's no real tension in in any any of it but um other than that i think it's um i think it's tones quite well handled i think the the balance of uh of comedy and uh actual storytelling uh is is all pretty well done um Lots of likable characters, lots of interesting characters, um, certainly the villain. Um, but yeah, no, it's it absolutely absolutely fine. Uh, Mid tier Marvel um, probably had the uh, the, uh, the potential to be better, but there you go. Yeah, I kind of agree with all the above really. Um, I say all the cost final on top form, decent action. Best scene in this film was probably the car chase. Van chase, truck chase, um, chase. The, yeah, the, the general chase um, through San Francisco. Um, but yeah, some of these things I think because of the, the heavier film surrounding it, we do need that lightness of tone, the lightness of touch, little comedic moments. Um, but yeah, it's kind of fairly inconsequential. Um, but yeah, good action film, solid bit of adventure. But we kind of need to feel, you know, need to kind of have more from these characters, like to spend a bit more time with them. Some characters have more screen time than others, obviously. Um, but some kind of feel rather sadly underused. But overall enjoyable. I'll kind of rank it like middle, middle to yeah, in, in the middle somewhere, but kind of higher end rather than lower end. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. I think yeah. I mean, I just I, I I can't imagine there being much, if any, distance in rankings between the two films. And I think that, and I think that's because they're not films you feel a great deal about either way. I'm sure you could pick apart the plots and stuff. I mean, they, they, the funny thing is they feel very Marvel, but they don't feel very Marvel in that there's nothing else in, in, in Marvel that feels like these films. But you can tell they're a Marvel Studios film. Um, and even the degree of comedy in it, I mean, it, they're the most comedic corner, but like I say, 
as much as I like Thor Ragnarok, every scene felt designed around a joke. And I don't feel that here. It's just organic with a very with a very likable leading man and um I'm glad I'm glad Paul Rudd's a star. I'm glad Paul this you know, made something not something more of him, but you know, this gave him a, a, a higher profile, a higher profile that he deserved. And, you know, to come along to him when he was in his late forties, I think that's lovely. But I'll tell you what, Dave, I know we just watched and reviewed this film, but I still don't know much about it. I, I always worry about when we don't know much about these things because it invalidates what we've just said. Not only that, you never know when you're going to be asked under oath. But the, the, the scare, it seems to be every week. I mean, if only there was some sort of segment where we were informed in some regard. We keep finding ourselves in this situation. It's it's embarrassing, <laughs> really, Chris. Yes. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know what we do about it. And you notice how Becca never, is never in this position. It's just me and you looking like a couple of prats. <laughs> you guys know all about the film. I'm just here to go hi and provide some sometimes not very fun or interesting fun facts. Fun what? That sounds but fun and interesting facts. Yes. They... Why, why is this the first we're hearing about this, Chris? <laughs> so you tell me Becca has some sort of exciting information. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure that exciting information is the most um, catchy name for it. Yeah, yeah. You can't even cut that down, can you? Really, you can't really call it sight from. No, it don't really work. You can't... <laughs> Interesting information. No. Well, something more alliterative. Exciting exchange. Exciting exchange. No, that's no. For fun, she mentioned fun. Fun. Facts. Facts. Facts, Chris. That's facts. That's facts, folks. No, hang on, that don't work. That's facts, folks. Now we'll 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 work on that uh, one-liner. Thanks, Becca. (laughs) Now I said at the top of the show, um, yeah, San Francisco is a big character in this film, so I've got some. Who plays? It is appropriate to say the top of the show because it is. Well, not the top in the the middle of the show. No, it is appropriate to say the top of the show because it's always steeply downhill from from there, isn't it? (laughs) Well, it's quite a hilly, you know. It's it's quite a hilly, hilly place to be. Anyway, um, I was trying to read some of my travel diaries from many years ago, but I can't actually find them. They're probably up in the loft. Um, but fun fact number one: San Francisco has the second largest Chinatown outside of Asia, and is also the oldest Chinatown in North America. Plus, it is home to the largest and oldest Japan town in North America. I, um, I, it was, so, um, San Francisco was the, was the place where I had the best. Uh, squid from the Chinese restaurant I've ever had in my yeah, entire that's life. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, I've had some last time I went there and I was like, oh, it was, you know, I'm not a big fan of like squid, you know, it's generally quite rubbery, but it was actually quite nice. Okay, yeah, fun fact number two, obviously, actually looking at it now, these are probably quite asinine facts rather than fun facts. Um, yeah, fun fact number two, the colour of the golden gate. Bridge. anything with that name, are we? Asinine, asinine facts. facts. That's not very fun, it's like the opposite of fun. We put the ass in asinine. Put the, yeah, literally. Yeah, if the US Navy had their way, they would have painted the Golden Gate Bridge a very fetching yellow and black stripy pattern, um, so it would stand out better um, with, with the fog that keeps rolling in. Um, but no, the architect designed it, painted it in um, international orange, which was originally kind of meant as like sort of wind coat, sort of um, sealant, but turned out the colour was quite hot, so they basically kept it international orange. Um, and when literally they've 
you know, obviously people are employed to go and paint it that colour all year round. But when they, I thought it was quite funny how like we actually did a trip across across the bridge, and boy was it windy. But our tour guide was, I think he must have been new, and he was like, when they finished painting the bridge, they literally turn around and start again. I was like, really? You think? So I thought that was quite interesting. A little bit, you know, it was a fact. It wasn't very much of a fact. Um, but bless our tour guide, she was trying to stumble through in the wind, telling us all this stuff about the Golden Gate Bridge. I really admire her for that. Uh, anyway, fun fact number three, um, the Beatles gave their last concert at Clanstick Park in August 1966. Um, it was a bit of a failure, they well, lost money on it. Um, yeah, it's a good capacity of like nearly 50,000, but I think they only sold like 25,000 tickets, so... But anyway, bit of fun fact. Um, fun fact number four, Muirwoods is well known for its beautiful redwood trees. Um, they can grow up to 380 feet, with the actually tallest tree in the forest is 258 feet. And fun fact number five, Fisherman's Wharf is the most popular destination to visit in San Francisco. Um, 12 plus million visitors annually. And actually, in terms of the US, it is number three in the most popular destinations behind Disneyland in California and Disney World in Florida. And that's my fun facts about San Francisco. That's factual. No, we don't like that. <laughs> that's not really that's fun. Hooks. I was going to think, hmm, what can I pluck from my brain, from what I remember, my various trips? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, we learnt something. And Great. If we if we if we off like asked anything, we can. Well, I don't know. I'll have to make something out up because I was only half listening. But... <laughs> <laughs> see some some famous films filmed in San Francisco. Obviously, you've got. Um, Vertigo, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Bullet, B- Bullet, of course. What else have we got? Play it again, Sam. That's the one. <laughs> Star Trek. Star Trek Four, yeah. Star Trek Four. Zodiac. Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Harry, of course, famously, definitely. Mildly pervy Harry. <laughs> That's the PG thirteen cut. <laughs> Mildly annoyed Harry. <laughs> Oh, there's loads of stuff filmed there over the years. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very uh, obviously, obviously, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy, I say new Planet of the Apes trilogy, but the most recent Planet of the Apes films were, were based around mm. that area, that area as well. The first one certainly was San Andreas. Oh, yeah, San Andreas, obviously, yeah. Uh, um, Inside Out, uh, and obviously the, oh, yeah, uh, the, cinematic, the, the cinematic masterpiece that is Terminator Genesis. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Terminator, that. unpronounceable, can't spell. <laughs> Genesis coming soon. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> starts, starts with a stunning film. This I might have to skip that week. You're not. That's not how this show works. <laughs> Damn it. And also a view to a kill. Let's not yeah. forget that. Becca hasn't even seen Terminator Genesis. She's really scared of it now. On that basis, she's <laughs> on the basis so it is bad. Terrible. She doesn't even ever want to watch it. But it has a really cool Korean actor in it, so I'll probably just watch it for him. Oh, yeah, he's done very early. <laughs> <laughs> he's very famous in his native career. Okay. Still, anyway, if we've learnt one thing tonight, we put the ass in asinine. There you go. But hey, and also, let's not forget, let's not forget The Rock. Good old Rock. Yeah. Oh, I, thought you meant, I thought you meant Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, no. he's, not, he's, not, he's not a film, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's he's a one man show business that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, the film Rock with, with, with Sean Connery. The Rock, yes. The one bearable Michael Bay film. 
he started with like stuff that was bearable and then we just went to shit really fast <laughs> so, there so, you go. I think the anyway. so, so was it with Armageddon then when it went shit or was it with uh... Armageddon was pretty bad Pearl Harbor <laughs> and Armageddon which way round were they Pearl Harbor was after wasn't it yeah. that was like 2001 yeah. certainly around then anyway. yeah. Armageddon wasn't good but The Rock was alright. I mean, it, actually, The Rock's a bit. Everyone raves about The Rock, but I find that film a bit too long, to be honest. Yeah, I, it probably I, is. I start. I always lose interest in the second half of his films, anyway. And The Rock is actually no different. But it's night and day when you stick it down next to a Transformers film or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first half of that film is like pretty good and doesn't have any of the offensive sensibility he normally has. So yeah, not bad at all. But. I do well, lose interest in the second Sean half. Sean Connery does seem to have um, quite good chemistry with Nick Cage in that film. Yeah, Sean Connery was just... Uh, he was really great right till the end. I don't, I'm not, not saying every film he did was great, but he still had bags of screen presence right until the end, and it's really sad to see him looking so frail now because it doesn't actually feel that long ago he retired, yeah. but of course it's 15, 16 years. Yeah. But anyway, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, all all the shows, all the old shows on Simtracks.co.uk. UK. So if you uh, want to revisit our old episodes, including the Bond series, you can find them all there. If they're not on iTunes, that is. Some of them are disappearing, aren't they? Yeah, they are all on YouTube, with the exception of some of the music episodes, yeah. because the number of copyright infringements in trying to put a music episode up is ridiculous i think i managed the first one with a cut and some of our earliest episodes i cut straight to becca talking at the very start of the show so uh, to avoid copyright problems but now i just put the show up uh, so there's probably about three shows that aren't there and some are little edited it's getting near impossible isn't it just to kind of like, upload anything that isn't 100 percent yours isn't to isn't it you know normally you we like... just get Don't normally now we normally now we just get an email that says effectively you're not in any trouble that is that has copyright material on it and basically ads will play on your show that's it so we normally get away with it now it's been a very long time since i had anything blocked Mm. and in fact i even managed to get led zeppelin on there for the thor ragnarok trailer which i didn't expect to because earlier earlier in our existence i tried to do some led zeppelin and i couldn't I've tried to use, I don't think I would now in the current climate, but I've tried to use some Michael Jackson in the past and mm, struggled. Yeah, maybe not in fact, now. I did, in fact, I did use Man in the Mirror on uh, Star Trek Nemesis, just when you think what well, that film's that about. That was before it all came out. Uh, well, no, it was already out then, Beck, and nothing's actually new. He was a kiddie fiddler. Well, no, but it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's I'm still more in the public All I'm saying is, a new film's been made that most people believe some are sceptical about, but it was kind of pretty much accepted he was 10 years ago, so I don't see... No, that's it, but it's kind of, it's more in the public consciousness now, whereas kind of it just it's kind in of... Pub- it's in the public... That's, that's kind of what I meant in that terms of, in that context. But um, there's that, um, uh, but I think I tried to use some Madonna once and couldn't, so high profile acts, I've definitely had the Beatles black- blocked in the past, so it's just it's just difficult with certain things, so if I go and play... I never normally had problems with the composed stuff, so if I played start of a theme, it wasn't normally a problem. So our shows didn't tend to have copyright strikes. Our trailers did. No. Um, now, I'm, I'm, the last few, I've struggled with that. I say struggled. It goes through. You get Even in terms of like fair you. use, you get, like, there's, yeah. there's a time limit, isn't there, I think? No, that's not on YouTube. As soon as it recognises, that's it. Yeah. It, it doesn't work like that at all. And in fact, if you're repurposing 
music for the purposes of either education or parody or or anything like that basically using it for anything other than its original purpose which was here's some music i mm. hope you enjoy it um it should get through anyway but it doesn't it's not how youtube works it's no it's got okay. it's got some recognition software in it that it just it will goes process right. And it will get to about 95%. And when it sticks on 95% processed for a long time, you know you're about to be told this is copyrighted material. But it doesn't normally block or stop anything now. We just get an email to tell us about it, that's all. And it's fine. It, it gets through. We don't have a problem. But I wouldn't attempt to put a music episode on there. I mean, we've got an upcoming Marvel one, and it will just recognise everything and block it. Um, I even had problems with some some John Barry. So, uh, some John Barry got ended up getting blocked in German regions and things like that. Once it once it starts getting blocked in parts of the world, I, I don't want to put that up, so I don't do it. So yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. But all of our shows, with the exception of a couple of music, are on our on you expect us to talk to YouTube's channel. They're all at cinematronics.co.uk, including the Cinematronics episodes myself and Chris has done. I'm long most of them. Chris has done a few without me with other people. Uh, albeit a few years ago now, and uh, but basically Chris's entire back catalogue of other podcasts is, is on there as well. If you go back beyond 2015, um, so yeah, our stuff is still available. Yes, so don't forget to check us out while you can. Go back and listen to our back catalogue. If you've not heard us before, where you've been all this time? Yeah, no, it's not while you can either. We're not going anywhere. No, we'll be here for a while. Yeah, okay. we, we survived. We survived the, the snap. Yeah, um, yeah. There's implications to that that I want to discuss with you, but I can't until Wednesday because you haven't seen the film yet. No, I will be seeing it soon, but we can discuss Wednesday. We'll discuss on Wednesday. The show itself will be out around the nineteenth, something like that. Um, but in the interim, uh, finally seeing the light of day is a show we actually recorded many, many weeks ago. Becca. Yes, so long ago that I forgot. Um, yeah. Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with our review of Captain Marvel. <laughs>